This is That 80 Show, and you're listening to Barrett here today, and I'm speaking with Ian Dench from the brand that is unbelievably EMF. Ian, how are you today? Where do we find you in the world, and what's happening in your life? Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. It's great to be on the 80s show, and it's lovely to meet you, Barrett. Um, you find me in London. I'm sat in my studio uh, in, in London. I'm preparing some files for the tour, which is the first time we've been, been out on tour in a long time and we played a few one-off shows here and there but but an actual tour is like god yes yes 25 years or something and let's take it all the way back to the beginning tell us the story of emf how you guys came together what does emf stand for and your story well we lived in a sort of provincial part of England. Uh, there's a county called Gloucestershire. There's an area called the Forest of Dean, which is literally a forest. And there's this little town in the middle of the Forest of Dean called Cinderford. And it's, a, no, I mean, it really is just a tiny little town. And, you know, Gloucester was the big, big place. And I lived in Gloucester and all the other, all the other members of the band lived in Cinderford. And, and you know, I got chatting to, to James, the singer in the local music shop. He worked in the local music shop. And, and I, and I guess I, I, was a little bit older and I'd played in a couple of bands and I'd had a record deal and in a very small way I would I guess I was a local celebrity on the on the band circuit because I'd actually had a record deal but I hadn't sold any records it absolutely come to nothing I was you know really I was a I was a complete failure and um but it's all those things are all relative anyway James yeah. James you know started chatting to me and he said that oh you know we, I started this band and and we had a um rehearsal and and we played death metal in Afghan coats and the fire brigade got called out and and it just sounded like so much fun and um my band I'd been in for like eight years like just split up and and my girlfriend had just dumped me and I was literally coming coming home she, she was at university in Cardiff and I was coming home from hitching home because I had no money I mean I really was a complete failure I had no money my band had split up my girlfriend had dumped me I was hitching home through the forest of Dean back to Gloucester from Cardiff and suddenly I thought oh my god there's James the, the guy from the local music shop he he sounds like a lot of fun I'm going to give him a call and see what he's up to and literally when when I he answered the, the, the phone he said oh we'll come and pick you up and he came and picked me up um, from where the the truck dropped me and we I didn't go home for three days we went out we partied we just had a great time and Zach and Derry and James and everyone we just we just had fun together and I said to James oh why don't we write some songs why don't we make this a real band because it wasn't really a real band it was just a bunch of you know guys having a good time and and he said okay so he came to my mum's house and on my mum's piano we we started we did that we played some house piano I had a mono synth which we started getting blooping and bleeping and, and my guitar and we just and we wrote I believe that's first thing we did we wrote I believe bang 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 wrote a bunch of songs had a rehearsal six months later we had a record deal a year later we had a hit record a year and a half later we were number one in in the United States and it and it's just it was just a bit of a whirlwind I wouldn't call that a failure <laughs> no but you know <laughs> yeah. you see what I mean it, we'd started from nothing we, yeah. we really had no expectations when we when we started you know I'd, I'd been that... working away at it for, for ages and yeah. and had nothing but you know I think that's a, it's something to be said for you know just you know go, pick, dusting yourself off and starting again when, yeah. when you know like failure is a great thing in a way it's a, yeah. it sort of teaches you making mistakes is a great thing because it yeah. teaches you what sort of not to do and to try something different next time and yeah because there's no expectations there's no attachments there's no oh i expect this to be like this it's just yeah. let's let's be organic let's be natural let's see how it flows and let's go and see and how and do exactly what you guys did exactly exactly we're going to the 
uh, new music shortly. But let's dive deep into Shibit Dip and that album and the albums or the music that from that time. Tell us more about the music. What was the inspiration behind it? What was your muse in creating those songs? So we'd all played in bands, you know, back in the you know late eighties and early nineties. Teenage that's what teenagers did. Everybody got a guitar and played in a band. And and uh and so we loved bands like the Smiths and they go in the Bunnyman. I was a little bit older and I'd come from punk rock. I loved all those punk rounds. The Sex Pistols changed my life. I loved the Clash and the Damned and and so there was this whole guitar band culture and but these you know in the clubs like the people started playing public enemy and 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 a soul and and cypress hill and the, and those hip-hop things and just and it sort of had the same rawness that the, mm-hmm. that the live band and authenticity that, that the guitar bands had and then this and the dance music was coming through and the electronica and the acid house and and, and just the power of that on in a club you know couldn't help moving you and i think we we just started putting it together and we weren't the only ones i mean that whole movement the happy mondays the stone roses they were just absorbing those influences and sort of putting them together and and uh, and i think that's where we where we sort of found our sound and your creative process of recording and writing music then is it the same as now and what is that process yeah i do know i think it is because basically it was james and i getting together and writing some songs and you know we we'd take it to the band and we'd certainly reference the energy of the band but basically we'd sit down you know because james and i are the nerds we we just (laughs) fiddle away yeah we, we really are we would fiddle for hours like he loves techno he loves the keyboards and the drum machines i love guitars and layers of guitars and and that's what the emf sound is it's those two things and i think gogo sapiens the new album started the same way schubert did it and and you know we just we have really good chemistry i love james you know he's my favorite person to write with um he just because when he sings something he just makes it real he he can't be anybody else but himself and and that's a wonderful thing it just gives it gives us a sound. It's yep. EMF is him singing and, you know, cover my dodgy guitar riffs and like Derry and jumping around stage. And, <laughs> you know, that's, which he can't do at the moment because he's broken his leg. Or, oh, or shame. you know, the thing is that when people try and replicate or try and be someone else that they are not in their uh, voice or in their type or genre of music, the people listening to it can hear and it's like, oh, we can hear it and we can hear that it's not fake. So you can only ever be yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's the truth. And, and I've worked with a lot of young singers and up and coming singers and, and established singers, you know, subsequently. And, and it's a really strange thing. Sometimes you get great singers who are really good, at, you know, technically and really good at emulating other people. But they then, you know, it's impossible trying to launch their career because they don't sound like anything new or individual. And whereas when you get somebody that's got a bit of a weird voice and they can only be themselves, it, it's it's a wonderful thing. I know the Smiths and all those different artists inspired your music. Actually, the actual lyrics and the words that are written, is it inspired by your journey and uh, the experience of the world or combination of both? Yeah, of course. I I mean, they're so they're so about what's going on around us. I mean, unbelievable was about the girl that dumped me, basically. And, you know, <laughs> it was so, you know, that was a sort of silver lining in a way. And Gogo Sapiens is very much about like looking back, sort of reflecting on a on a life in music. And and I don't know, getting older, but saying, you know, we want to, we've still got something to offer. You know, we still love making music and time's running out. So we've got to sort of make the most of it. And, you know, there's songs like, 
started it it's, it's like a don't stop now we've started it you know soon be gone so we're doing it right now we're doing it right now and and then this you know a song called never die and keep it going you know you you, you get the themes you know yeah. there's like it's and that's what the title says as well it's like you know we're human we we have all the foibles and the problems that humans do not least that we die so we better get on with it and just keep going and um that's that's what what this record is about and does your ex-girlfriend who dumped you know that that song was about her yeah she does <laughs> she does i went she's a teacher or she was a teacher a little while ago and and once I got this Facebook message from from a young guy saying, my teacher says that you wrote that song about her. Um, <laughs> is that true? And like, I was like, yeah, actually it is. You know? So I hope she I hope she got some kudos from, from that for, for uh, amongst her pupils. And are you still in touch with her or not? Not really, not but really, yeah. on and off. You guys took a break for a long time in between creating music. What did you guys get up to during that period of taking a break? Well, I know James, well, he, he used to live in Camden and he he used to go partying. And I know he and he said to me, you know, I've, I think I've got to move out of Camden because I go out on a Friday night and I come back on a Monday morning. And I think, I don't know whether you know, Camden is like this, yeah. this, this really sort of happening area of North London. There's loads of clubs and bars and, and, and it's got a real scene. And, you know, so he, you know, and I think, he knew that he had to sort of like take it easy a bit because uh, he, you know, he, he couldn't keep that going. And he moved up north to Yorkshire, had a family and started working in a music uh, school, started teaching kids music up there. And, and and it's a strange thing. I think he was a reluctant rock star 30 years ago. He, you know, he used to go on stage and sort of go, hello. And that's all you say to the audience, you know, thanks. <laughs> and and as he's got older, he he did his, he started doing solo albums. He's done like five solo albums. He's got, he's got his whole, you know, so, you know, he, his techno, he's he's getting his techno out there because, and, and he's loved doing that. And, you know, I played some guitar on, on some of those things and, and he's really like, you know, grown and, and he's so happy. He seems so happy now and on it and fulfilled and, and he's amazing. He goes out on stage now and, and like he's, he sounds better than he's ever sounded. He's, he, he rules the stage. He's, great fun and he talks to the audience and it's like you know emf live was always a great band live i yep. think but it's i think it's the best it's ever been because because i don't know he's lived life and and, and enjoyed it and yep. and you know as yorkshire's been good for him and we got we recorded the album up uh, in his studio up there you know half there and half in london and uh it's so beautiful he's just his studio looks out over the Yorkshire Dales, which are these rolling hills with sheep um, um, buying and in the in the fields. And, and in fact, one of the sheep got its way into the garden, and we had the doors open on a sunny day, and it came in and started munching his his song lyrics. It was like <laughs> it's all a bit too rural, I think. <laughs> and uh, and it was just it was just lovely. And me me myself, sorry, I'm still on the um what we've been doing. Me myself, I you know I I was tired of of the loud guitars and started a little English folk thing for a while and we signed to Ouija Records and put out a couple of records and then I met a woman called Amanda Ghost and we did her solo record and then ended up writing songs for Beyonce and Shakira and moving to New York and working at Sony Records and all that got a bit I think it got a bit too much and I, I sort of missed pottering around and doing my own thing so I came back to London and I've just been 
pottering around doing my own thing, writing some songs here, there, working on a musical. And then it was last summer, James said, oh, let's do a new record. And, and the EMF has come back on full time. And now it's just like it's getting busy again on the EMF front of things. So there are a few things I'd like to unpack on that. First of all, how is it different writing music for yourself as a band compared to other artists? What's that experience like? Now, that's a question. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think I can't help but write music for myself and I think the things that were good were you know when I was working for other people were because I was working with people I loved and respected and sort of other people sung those songs Mm -hmm. you know so so you know even the even the songs that Beyonce sang you know Amanda and I wrote them together for us and Beyonce heard them and was like oh I'd love to do that and then you know she worked on it a bit and made it her own and and I think when we started trying to write songs like to be hits like that and it's the same with EMF when EMF you know on that third album there was all these weird pressures about writing hits and being cool and we weren't doing them because we were just a bunch of friends you know rocking out making some great music having fun and you know you have what you have to do it for the right reason yeah to sound right you know it, yep. it just it just comes out in that and I think you know I I look back and I think I've only ever done good work when I've done it because I love it and yeah. I don't I'm not sure I've really ever done great work when it's had to be important or hits or or yeah. like you know like when there's been too much expectation I when I meet somebody that I get on with and we play some music together it, it's it just gets to be good because there's a lot of love in it and yeah. and and I would defend that forever and I would you know put whatever work I need in to do it and sometimes it takes a lot of work to make it happen and and to get it out there but but if you love it you that's what you do you're like oh this it just excites me when I hear it and 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 that's what you do and and the bit of I don't think I was really made for the for the sort of a treadmill that is pop songwriting that, that's a you know I, I've had some luck along the way but as I said it's only because I've just happened to be in a situation with people that I love and and that's that's the best way to make music and how long were you uh, in New York and working for Sony was it a long period of time two and a half years okay that I mean was, that that can become tiring because you on the other side and it becomes this expectation of writing hit after hit after hit and the pressure and where's that song and where's the next hit and that could be feel like 10 years <laughs> but you know it was it was very very hard I had a very hard time doing it. it it was it took its toll and I wasn't you know the sad thing about that really was that I was doing A&R so I, you know we, the reason I got the job was because I'd written some hits but with with Beyonce and Shakira and Jordan Sparks and mm-hmm. Daniel Merriweather and and I and then we got offered this job which was about A&R and I thought oh great we'll get to develop some artists but it was just at the time when the record industry was changing and so Sony rather than developing artists would go you know would say oh we'll when something starts to break through we'll just write a check for them so we we, we ended up being like I don't know like a, a bank in a way less about developing things than just finding things that were already going and and trying to sign them and so I just felt like I was always the bridesmaid never never the bride and 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 that became hard work and you know corporate life in New York is is tough I mean Americans love to work and yeah. it, and 
you know, and no wonder that they, they, you know, that some of those labels are so successful because people put the time in, and 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 it's uh, and it was hard work, brilliant experience. I learned so much. I met so many amazing people, um, but no, but not really for me. And also, the energy in New York is hectic. I mean, that energy that's like yeah, exactly right. I mean, I don't think I had a proper night's sleep for two and a half years. Just like the noise of that city, it just doesn't yeah. stop. It's, it's uh... I actually, I actually, when I went to New York, I actually hated it. <laughs> I'm most Probably really? one of the, I was probably one of the only people in the world that hates New York because I just found <laughs> I found like I was being energetically attacked by like this tsunami of energy and I was like oh my god get me out of this place I couldn't I love the theater but I just couldn't deal with that that pounding energy all the time it was just too much for me <laughs> you probably live in a lovely peaceful rural bit of South Africa right <laughs> no no, no, where, no actually, where are you Barrett where are you I'm actually I'm in Johannesburg I like the energy of Johannesburg but I've, there's trees <laughs> There's, it's not, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I found in Green. New York, it's just Central Park and nothing else. Yeah. So there's a nice, I feel a nice balance of energy and nature coming together in Johannesburg. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of that, have you been to South Africa? No, I haven't. And it's funny, our manager is there now. He, he's, uh, so Liam, if you hear this, just hope you're having a wonderful time sampling South African wines. And I would so love to go. Hopefully he'll, he'll be talking to somebody about like us playing there and we'll get to go down there sometime soon. Even though you haven't been yet, what's your perception and experience of the country? I, well, I, I'm just trying to think, was Mickey most, was Mickey most was South African, right? And I think he was, you know, and I think because, uh, and didn't he play in some South African rock and roll bands or something back in the day? And because and, a friend of mine was, was, was uh, trying to find out, uh, trying to African r- rock and roll. And I think she, she got some, because uh, it just sounded such an interesting genre. And I think she found some Mickey most records and they were great, you know, and I was like, oh, I love that. That came out of South Africa back in the fifties or sixties, whatever. And okay. uh, then I love, you know, I've always loved that mixture. Oh, I'm going to show show my ignorance now aren't I mm-hmm. there's always you know this that lovely mixture between there's some great rock bands to come out of South Africa mm-hmm. and also great African folk uh, um, music and uh, I'm not what to call the genres but again, I think some great music's come out of South Africa. Uh, is Fela Kuti, is he? he uh... I don't think, I think he's from somewhere else in Africa, not in South Africa specifically. Yeah, I knew, I, then I'm, I'm going to put my foot in it, aren't I? No, it's, it's okay. No. What I will do is I'll email you some uh, links to some artists for you to listen to. I'd love that. Thank you so okay, much. Perfect. Where's your favorite place in the world to perform that you've performed thus far? South Africa will be on the list soon. <laughs> but yeah, where... the moment we go there, we'll be number one. <laughs> exactly. Um, where's your favorite place to perform? My favorite place to p- perform is, let me think about that. I think some of those you know, slightly further away places, like, I don't know why, but when we go, whenever we go to Glasgow, people in Glasgow just like they they're so great the way they react. And maybe it's the places don't they're a little bit further away. They don't get bands all the time, and they're not quite so blasé about yeah. about the music that comes. They, they like to enjoy it. And uh, where well, Dublin was always great. And funny, we went to play in Tallinn in Estonia once, and it was brilliant. Um, and what else was there that was great? Although I must say, there's a funny thing that happened recently when we played the gigs in last year for the 30th anniversary. Even in London, which which sometimes back in the day, people in London would be like, okay, yeah, we've seen it, we've done it, you got to, yeah. you know, what you're going to bring. The atmosphere was amazing because I think that's something that the pandemic has done. It has, it's made everybody appreciate the freedom of being out there. And those two gigs, 
were like just the best gigs we've ever played. And one was in London and one was in this in this pub in Todd Morton in, in, the, in Yorkshire near where James lives in the middle of nowhere. And it was amazing. And everybody sang along to all the words and just, you know, they were going out to have a great time. And, and I think that's when gigs are great. And that's that's certainly what makes, you know, makes a gig great when people decide they're going to go and enjoy it. And yeah, But you know what frustrates me about the audience, actually? being I, I'm one of the people who always likes to stand right in front and I'm just there enjoying the music, enjoying the moment. And I find everyone around me has got their cell phone up and is trying to get the perfect picture or the perfect video of the artist. And I just find it so, it's so distracting because everyone's trying to record something and not be there in the moment. What are your thoughts of seeing just sometimes, I'm sure you see it, just cell phones, just up there without people being engaged? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah that's a new thing, isn't it? That, that, you know, that's happened in the last 25 years since, <laughs> since we've been away. And I, there's not too much of that when, when we're there. There's just a little bit. I, I found that last year when we were playing, people were enjoying it. I think, part, again, part of the pandemic thing was that people were going out to enjoy it they spent enough time on their phones but then also the next day you know so many of these um videos appeared on our socials from people so i guess people were videoing it but, but yeah i don't know I, I think it's i don't mind too much i think people people are, are going to be there as well as you know get involved in it and take a few videos i don't think they'd spend the whole time videoing it but you know that it's a it's a lovely thing to share it with people i think that's right, yeah it's La- ladies made black, black man bar so they're from south africa aren't they yes that's correct that's correct that's Love Ladysmith, in fact, for that. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Their harmonies and their melodies are so beautiful. So beautiful, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Absolutely. so beautiful. What were you doing during the lockdown, during COVID? How did you keep yourself occupied? How did you just keep yourself busy? We, well, it's a shame because we had a couple of gigs cancelled, which were, which were going to be the 30th anniversary gigs. One in Canada, we were actually going to go to Canada and that was sadly cancelled. And so instead we started doing some online um, performances. So each of the five members of the band would record their own parts in their own bedroom stroke studios. And we did a few tracks. And, and in some ways, I think that was responsible for why we've done a new album, because people really seem to engage. I guess people were at home on, the, on their phones a lot and, and enjoyed get, getting something special. And uh, and uh, and our socials really grew during that that time, and and people seemed to engage. And we did a few online chats with the fans, and and a couple a couple of live streams when we got together. And as the as the you know lockdowns lifted, and and just it really felt like there was a great community of EMF fans out there and there's a lot of love and and I you know when when you're getting a lot of love you want to give some back and and that's that's sort of how the whole new thing started and uh so yeah that 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 was great to do that in in, in the lockdown as well as homeschooling which was not so much fun um, <laughs> How about you, Barrett? Did you, how was how was lockdown for you? Did you do lots of radio shows? Well, you see, it's interesting. I came back from living in London uh, just before lockdown, and I joined Cliff Central shortly thereafter. So we only yeah we've done quite a lot of interviews since about March May last year. Lots of interesting people that we've been speaking to, and it allowed me to create a new passion for exactly what we're doing right now. So when you said that excitement so whenever someone responds to an email and says cool let's do an interview i get so excited i like do my little run around the office and like yeah you're gonna be doing another interview (laughs) 
my, my, my colleagues think I'm crazy, but that's okay. Everyone always thinks I'm a little bit nuts. <laughs> uh, and you've got to keep that craziness because that's, you know, that excitement, that's what drives the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And when you first came out in late 80s, early 90s, it was CDs, vinyls, cassettes were sort of fading out. Those things are getting a re-emergence now, but the main form of the way people listen to music these days is through platforms, the digital streaming platforms. What yeah. are your what are your thoughts around the way people are now engaging with music or receiving it compared to when you guys first started out? I I mean I miss the vinyl thing because that those record sleeves and it, and it's been great doing the vinyl. I mean it's making the vinyl record sleeve was a was a fabulous thing for this release. Um because just that just the size of that thing there and the, and how you how it feels it feels real I, you know I miss that. But I must say that you know I love I love the Spotify experience, how you can just go searching for music. And my 17-year-old my son just goes exploring. And, you know, you pay your subscription and off you go. And there, there is something wonderful about that. I think, yes, there are questions about how much people get paid mm -hmm. and that, that need to be resolved because I think some people aren't really getting their fair share of the pie. And it's, and it's got skewed a bit to the record companies. I mean, record, the record companies are so happy. Yeah. I got a friend of the, you know, an old friend from Sony who's, who's like a, a couple of years ago, he said, Spotify is going to save the music industry because when I was at Sony in New York, music industry was falling apart apple had come in and had just had just like had stolen the whole thing you know that and while, while the record companies were napping so you know you do need the record companies to, to be driving the whole thing i think mm -hmm. you know that that funding and that streaming has given them that funding but you know the, the way the pie is divided up could shift a little bit more towards the people who are making the music, I think, yeah. rather than selling it. You, I mean, you. If you guys weren't creating it, there'd be nothing on the platform. So you should, guys should be getting a little bit more piece of the pie. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> yes, we are. Your piece is converted there, um, and yeah, and we got to do our bit to, you know, some of the music industry bodies like the PRS are, are fighting for that and and there are, you know I know there are questions uh, being asked in parliament and hopefully that an equitable share is going to be organized I more of a CD person than a vinyls I still buy my CDs I still, <laughs> still my CD collection I've got my Spotify subscription as well but you mentioned about going and finding songs but what frustrates me a little bit about these platforms is that sometimes the songs there and then a few days later, the song's been taken off the platform. Whereas if you've got the CD, you've always got the song. It can never be taken yeah. away from you. So yeah, yeah, you... that's my frustration a little bit. Yeah, no, that makes sense. There's something to be said for the physicality of it. And also... It's interesting because the age, with the age of our audience, you know, as we've got older, our audience has grown with us, and people love the vinyl and the CDs. That I mean, I just think that's what people are used to, and and you know, in my son's generation, they're, they're they're used to the Spotify experience, and that's how they will work it. And you know, my son's a dab hand at downloading this and downloading that and having them on on uh on his computer and and i just don't understand it yeah. so yeah yeah like but, i downloaded my files into my computer and i'm good from, from my cds and that's good the, and the sound quality is not as good there is that as well isn't it so they're oh. losing they're losing a whole experience but i've got a feeling and vinyl's coming back cassettes i see i don't really like cassettes but they're coming back and i, I saw that cds are for the first time in 21 years i saw a report that 
CD sales are picking up again. Oh, wow. Yep, yep. That's interesting. To it was due to Adele, Abba, and Ed Sheeran, <laughs> their sales last year. But the fact that it's picking up is a good sign. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good sign, isn't it? I mean, I, I listen, if, it, if, it, if there's a demand for it, you know, you can consume it in many different ways. And I'm yep. sure, you know, people will accommodate that demand. And who of the current artists are you listening to? I love all sorts of things. You know, it's interesting. Yesterday, uh, I was listening to Hannah Peel. I don't know whether you know who Hannah Peel is. Um, she's a sort of soundtrack electronica artist who also works with a lot of sort of organic things as well. And she's got a new project called The Unfolding, which is just beautiful. And uh, she was on um, uh, BBC Radio 6 this morning uh, uh, playing her new music. And and also, uh, and we were as well, they played us, uh, played a, a new record because the record's coming out tomorrow. The album is coming out tomorrow. And yes. So that was nice to have that. And um, it was lovely that we were on the same show as Hannah Peel. Uh, you know, I, I love that. My son plays me uh, new things. There's this great artist called Buck. Bakar, B-A-K-A-R, who does like, he's got such a punk attitude, um, but it sort of like comes from hip hop as well. It's got a bit of London grime in there with, a, yeah. with some punk attitude and, and the modern programming. Love that. Love the Sleaford Mods who do like, who do punk. My son and I went to see the Sleaford Mods and I was like, oh, what's, do you think this is going to be like a young audience, you know, with with this whole like sort of modern retro take? And it wasn't, it was, they're all my age. You know, I think my son <laughs> was the youngest one there. It's like, but, but they're, but they're old punk rockers who love something new. And I, I, I think that was great. And love um, love Sleep at Mods. Um, just like people doing edgy stuff is, is great. Anything, yeah, yeah you've got to send me those links. Anything good coming out of South Africa? Love, yeah. love to hear that. I will definitely do that. Now, you mentioned you were writing a musical. Can you give divulge anything further? Or is that still in the secretive stage? Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's very much in the pipeline. Oh, okay, we'll, okay. We'll see how that goes. I'll come talk to you about it when, when it's ready. So a musical as in a concept for theatre musical? Yeah. Oh, wow. Exactly. Oh, that yeah. sounds amazing. Okay, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Just as we're finishing off, our show is listened by South Africans and all around the world. What's the final message you'd like to share for our listeners today? I would like to say that you've got to keep on doing what you love doing, you know, your whole life long. And I don't believe in the concept of retirement. I think, you know, you just you just got to do what you love doing um, because it makes you happy and it makes other people happy. And that's what GoGo Sapiens is about. Brilliant. This is That Eddie Show, and we're speaking to Mr. Ian Dench from EMF. Ian, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute honor chatting with you, and we appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Barry. It's been great having a chat with you.